This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Well, good morning, good morning. I love the fellowship. Hopefully everyone's doing well today, and you've been surviving this crazy uh, rain. I feel like this fall, I kind of was like, where's the rain? And then all of a sudden, January hit, and I was like, okay, you came. Finally, I was waiting on you. But uh, anyway, before we jump in the message today, thanks for being here. Um, I want to bring a couple things to your attention. First of all, if you're new with us online or in person, um, and you haven't filled out a connection card, please take a moment to do that. You can take uh, the physical connection card in the back of your seat, or use the QR code and fill it out digitally. We'd love to connect with you on that. And what's cool about our new system is that if you fill that connection card out, you're new, um, either digitally or the, the, the paper card. You can take it um, to the booth out in the lobby. If it's digital, screenshot the confirmation you got, and you'll get a free gift on us. So who doesn't want to miss out on that? Nobody. Um, the second thing the second thing I want to bring to your attention, um, and I wasn't going to do this until this morning. It just hit me. But uh, this weekend, our church was able to host about, it was like 70-something pastors, I think. We had like 12 people from our team, I think, from what I was told. Um, and we were able to host a bunch of pastors from all over our state um, this weekend, um, um, we, didn't, we didn't have to do any of the teaching or anything, but we were able to open our building, and many of you served. So thanks for those that served, and also thank you for your faithfulness. Yeah, we can clap for that. That's really cool. We're... Our, our mission's bigger than us. It's really cool that um, we have a church that gives and help, uh, f- helps maintain this building so that we can host things like that and pour into God's mission across our state. So um, just always remember that. Uh, be thankful for that. Um, and then last but not least, I want to announce, um, we, we brought it to your attention a few weeks ago, but if you serve in any capacity at Relevant Life Church, you will not want to miss our serve team, first ever serve team night on April 14th. And you may be thinking, why are you pushing this so early? Well, because we know that you're busy people and we want everyone that serves to carve out that night. So if you have plans, remove those plans, tell them Jesus told you to. Um, and we know life gets busy and we want you to be there. It's going to be a night of honors, awards, a catered dinner, and it's really about showing gratitude to those who serve. Um, There's not going to be some like big old like guys you got to do this better type thing. It's all about going like man this is an honor that we get to serve and if you don't serve I encourage you you may want to start serving just so you can be at that event um, because it's going to be a really special night Um, and there will be child care provided so if those of you are like I don't know um, how to get how to get there with my children well there'll be child care provided so you have no reason to miss. Anyway with that being said we're stepping into week three of a series we call Make Room. Say make room. Turn to your neighbor and be like dude scoot over and give me some room. Come on, say that. Dude, scoot over and give me some room. Like, use the elbows. Like, no one's doing it. I'm serious. Elbow the person next to you. This is your one chance. Like, maybe your spouse, you've been holding on all week. I just need to give them a little nudge. Like, some of the wives in the room are like, yeah, you didn't take the trash out. Make room. Anyway, um, if you've been with us the past few weeks, you know that um, this series um, was given um, to our lead pastor. God put a burden on his heart that this year um, we would both, as individuals and collectively, um, make room for God, unlike ever before. And I don't want to move past that because, again, like, it's why I did what I did today. I think oftentimes we come to church to consume, to go, God, like, give me what you got will will fit in my life versus going, no, I'm going to clear space and then I'm going to pray that prayer. And there's a much, there's a big difference in that. And uh, we, 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 we're focusing this year to go, God, like we're not trying to put boundaries on it. If you've noticed, I was talking to Frank before service, these messages have been kind of like big like swoops of information. PK has not been getting super practical. Why? Because we're not trying to put boundaries on what God's doing. We're 
in a sense, making room, going, God, we're doing the preparation. God, you do what only you can do. And that may be hard for some of you that are like me, that are like, dude, like, I wanna know exactly what I'm making room for. Like, what can I keep? What can I get rid of? Like, I want to know the exact details. That's not how it works. It's a step of faith to go, I'm making room. God, are you gonna do something in my life? And the first week, PK kicked this whole series off by challenging us to pray the prayer of disruption, the prayer of disruption. Last week, he invited us to pray the uh, prayer of discomfort. And don't worry, this week, I'm gonna give you a break because you might still be recovering from the faith and boldness to pray those prayers. But I guarantee you, be prepared next week because PK is gonna be back encouraging you to, to pray it again. But the heartbeat of this series is going, God, I want what you have for me and I will do whatever it takes. Disrupt me, interrupt me, alter my life, cause radical change, make me uncomfortable. And those are uncomfortable things to say and, and pray to God. And in our connect groups, we've been asking in the last two weeks at the beginning of the message, like, it was easier to ask this or pray this prayer this week. Because it's, it's difficult. That's like a difficult place to be. And so if you're good with your life, then maybe the series isn't for you. And I'm just going to put that out there. This is not just for like the half in, half out. This is like, God, we're doing something new this year. So if you're, if you're up for the challenge, I invite you again today um, to jump on this journey with us. And the core passage the series is based off of is found in Isaiah chapter 54. And it says this, sing barren woman. You who never bore a child, burst into, into song, shout for joy. You who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of, her, than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your, curtain, your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. And this passage may seem a bit odd. If you haven't been in the series, you're like, why are we singing about a barren woman? I don't, I'm confused. But um, if, you, if you know the context, it really starts to make sense. What's basically happening here is there's a prophecy, a message um, on behalf of God from one of his spokespersons to the nation of Israel, a nation that's been in exile, a nation that has been defeated. And God is saying, you who have been desolate, you who have been devoid, deserted, abandoned, joyless, you who in, a meta, in metaphorical terminology from my understanding have never had children, prepare for what I'm going to send you. Make room for what I'm going to do in your life. Don't just sit there and wait and go like, God will make room on his own. He'll just push me, like push what out, push out what needs to be there. No, make room, enlarge, stretch, lengthen, strengthen. If you're serious about this God thing, if you're serious about God in your life, then you're going to make room. And I'm sorry if I'm re-preaching. I'm just, I'm getting myself ramped up for a message today. And uh, th this passage, although it's written in a specific context, we believe those words are for us this year. And that's what we want you to catch. We, over the course of this year, want to live by these preparation words. Enlarge, stretch, lengthen, and strengthen. We want to be prepared for what God has. And so with that being said, today I want to look at the word lengthen. Turn to your neighbor and say lengthen. Last week we talked about enlarging, and this week we're going to skip ahead to the word lengthen. Don't worry, worry for you linear thinking people. We will go back to stretch next week. Don't have anxiety over that. Uh, but to be completely honest up front, when I first heard I was preaching on this word, and even for the months that followed, I was like, what do I preach about when it comes to the word lengthen? Like, what, what am I supposed to say? Like, in its shortened version, length, like, we get the word length often, but like, I don't use lengthen a whole lot in my vocabulary, at least that I don't remember. But we get length. Like, this week I went on Amazon, I was trying to find a, a track can for a specific spot in my house. And what did I do? I went and looked at the measurements, right? The height, the width, the length of this object to see if it fits. So we use length. But what about lengthen? What does the word lengthen have for us when it comes to making room in 2024? This word lengthen means this, to make or become longer, to increase, to extend, to grow. And then it's opposites, just so you get a better, fuller picture, to shorten. 
to cut, to reduce, to decrease, diminish, lessen. This is what this word means. And in context of Isaiah 54, we see that the word lengthen is attached to a command, lengthen your cords. So in other words, lengthen is attached to this metaphor of building a tent, right? Uh, it, it's, it's lengthen your ropes, your cords, um, um, your, 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 um, your guy lines is what we might call in the 21st century, right? And if you've ever built a tent or put up one of those blow up puffy snowmen for Christmas, what do you do? You take the ropes and you attach them to the ground. Why? Because those ropes, those guy lines are extending from the object to bring stability, support, and strength to the object structure. They're there to keep it in place so the wind doesn't come by and just like whisk it off, right? And um, what was challenging is when I started looking at this metaphor, I realized that this, this, this idea of lengthening your cords actually ties into this idea of strengthening your stakes, which is going to be a later message. And I didn't want to steal that. So I began looking at this word at a new angle. And pay attention because this is what my, my message centers on. And what I realized was that although guidelines are used for a specific purpose of stabilizing and strengthening, they also perfectly illustrate the idea of reaching from something to something else. I want you to picture that word reach, right? And to illustrate this, I drew a beautiful tent. I know I had a job in hand drawing and pastoring just took over. So if I, this fails, I'll go back. No, I'm just kidding. If you can tell, that's a horrible tent, but I had to do with my best. Okay, we go to the next line, you can, or the next slide. You can see though from here, and it's like kind of hard, but I made those pink. And I want you to see just the stretching process. They're starting at point A, they're point, going to point B. There's this process of being from where you're at and reaching for something else. There's um, beginning somewhere and going somewhere else. There's, um, there's being where you're at and striving for something else. And that's what I I want to focus on today when it comes to lengthen the reaching extending aspect because I believe that we're all lengthening our reach for something in life physically spiritually mentally we have goals dreams ambitions we lengthen our reach for things we want we desire and even need however if this is the year that we are making room should we not take time to consider before God what we should be lengthening our reach towards what would God desire that you spend your year lengthening your reach towards? Which leads to the title of my message today. Lengthen your reach towards God's purpose in 2024 like never before. Lengthen your reach towards God's purpose. Would you pray with me? God, I just thank you. I pray that today, God, this message would not be like rain falling on um, a metal roof, God, but it would be like rain penetrating hard, crusty soil, God, that needs the refreshment of what's going to be brought. God, I really wrestled over what to bring in this message, God, and I believe that it's a, a um, potentially life-altering message, God, if we really let it sink in today. And so I just pray, God, that you would shake up um, the ground, God, of, of our complacency, God, of um, the, the, the life we've built for ourselves, God, the, the things that we, we, we've attached to our Christianity, God, and I pray that we'd be open to anything today, God, because of, of you, God, and what you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. By raising hands today, how many of you have ever made a purchase that you were convinced you needed and you were super pumped to get, but once you got the object, you never ended up like really using it or the way you wanted to? Anyone? I, I probably have way too many examples of this, and my wife said amen. However, this week, one in particular came to mind. If you know me, I love being in my backyard where Allie and I live. It's really quite quiet and peaceful back there. And over the years, I've spent a lot of time. I'll read back there. I'll work back there. I'll watch sports back there. I'll hang out with friends. I'll spend time with God back there. And I've invested money to make that space more compatible and more enjoyable um, in all seasons of the year, right? I've got comfy chairs. I've got vibey lights. We poured concrete. I've got a propane fire pit. But early on in this process, 
process, I realized, man, I need some like extra heat back here so I can actually use this in like the really windy um, days of the year and the, the really cold months um, of the year. And so um, I got this idea that I should buy one of those like propane heater things that uh, you see at like the restaurants. You know, time you put the propane, propane heater in, you can, it looks like this. I actually have the same one. Um, I convinced my dad to get one too, so that's his. <clears throat> but I, I was like, I'm just going to go to Costco. I found this on Costco, and I bought this heater. Unfortunately, I realized after I bought it that it was too tall to use under my gazebo. It fits just perfectly, but there's like very little space between the top of it and the gazebo. And for obvious reasons, that's not safe. Um, um, right? It could cost, I mean, I have a metal roof, so who knows how hot that metal is going to get. Like, I could set my gazebo on fire. And so, rather than being wise, I just convinced Allie, and rather than tearing it apart and taking it back, I was like, we'll probably use it, I don't know, for like special things when people come over outside of the gazebo. Unfortunately, I think we've maybe turned that thing on like, I don't know, like three times. I have no idea. Like, I haven't used it in so long. It's just, it's just sat there forever. And eventually, um, it, it got moved to the garage, which it now sits like this with this beautiful cover. I think it moved like 10 feet because it was on the other side. So at least it got some, like, some attention. Um, but this week, I, uh, I was preparing for this message, and this heater, along with the question, came to mind. At times, is this a picture of us? Does this heater represent us? See, we have all been created by the greatest creator to ever exist. We've been thoughtfully given the gifts we have. We've been strategically placed in the time period we've existed in, and we have been destined by God to do something. However, many of us have felt or will feel, whether in a season in the past, a season in the future, or a season right now, like this heater, stuck ignored, pointless, underutilized, tucked away in a corner, forgotten about, lost, past our usage date, or purposeless. And I want us to all remember that was never our original intention when we, when we flew from the nest at a young age. And that's never God's intention, ever, ever. This word purpose means the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. And my question is today, and don't just let this roll off, are you confident answering the question for why you exist? Or do you struggle? Have you struggled? Are you in a season right now where you know what your purpose is, but you're floundering trying to achieve it? Are you in a season right now where you used to be super confident in knowing your, what your purpose was, but then something was stripped away from you, and now you're like not so sure anymore? And asking these questions today, my desire is to challenge all of us, again, in the heart of making room to step back and ask the question, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? When was the last time you sought your creator for what your purpose is? And don't just let this roll off, because this is so, like, Christian cliche. Like, I got a purpose. God created me. Like, no, like, actually ask yourself the question. Or if you're so convinced that you know your purpose, when was the last time you checked that confident purpose by the person that created you? And the reason I want all of us to ask this question is because sometimes I think we're too quick to answer it for ourselves. Sometimes we declare our purpose is something that we're attracted to. So I like the idea of this, so this is my purpose. Sometimes we declare our purpose is something we're stuck doing right now because of a past choice we made or a season that we're in. For example, we throw that next slide up. Maybe you're a parent and you're like, my purpose is being a parent, but that's because you barely have time to breathe, let alone think about the greater things in life, right? Like you're just like, just get me through this week, okay? Like we'll survive, okay? Maybe you have a great job, throw that next one up, and, and you're like, I'm really good at my job, so this is my purpose until I retire. Or go to the next one, maybe you have a gift and you're like, this, God created me with this gift, so this is my purpose. And none of these things are bad at all. They may be a part of your purpose. 
But it must be asked, are they the foundational primary purpose of your life? Because I think a lot of us are building with this idea of this is our purpose, but I don't know if it is your core soul purpose. Are they just the dominant thing you are focused on in this season of your life? What happens if and when those things get stripped away? What happens when your kids move out? What happens when you lose your job or retire? What happens when you no longer can use that one gift? Will you have lost your purpose? Will you throw that next slide up? Or are these things just subplots to God's ultimate purpose for you? And I want you to see this today because I think a lot of us are convinced a subplot of our life, something to add to God's purpose is our purpose, but it's not your sole purpose. I think God's purpose for your life exists up until your dying breath if you choose to seek it out. And that's the challenge of today is that you would make 2024 a year of reevaluating purpose, of redefining, um, clearly, more clearly defining purpose. And in saying that, I'm not trying to tell anyone what their purpose is or isn't. I'm not your creator. That's God's job. Rather, in the heart of making room, I want all of us to evaluate, have I been and will I go forward spending, spend my time lengthening my reach towards God's purpose? Will I make room for his purpose in my life? Will I give everything I have to extend myself towards it? Will I look like Texas A&M athlete, Infinite Tucker? If you know me, I'm a big sports lover, and as I was searching for something to illustrate this idea of reach, I ran across this absurd moment in uh, Infinite Tucker's athletic career that became a picture of what I want us to think of when we hear this word lengthen. Infinite Tucker, a track athlete at Texas A&M, took first in the 400-meter hurdles at the 2019 SEC Track and Field Championships. However, he did so in an unconventional way. Tucker, who finished second place in the same race in 2017, was in the lead after jumping over the final hurdle. But his teammate, Robert Grant, was right behind him. And as they approached the finish line, Robert Grant starts to lean forward. If you watch runners like to win, they, they lean into that finish. And then all of a sudden, you see Infinite Tucker, Superman leap. Like, I am not kidding, full abandon leap across this finish line. And due to copyright, I can't show you the video or a photo. I encourage you, just Google or YouTube, Infinite Tucker Dive. You will see what I'm talking about. Like, homeboy is full, just like, I, I can't do it. I would hurt myself. And he skids on the ground in his face, just like, uh, like but he wins. He wins. And in doing this, I believe he gives us the perfect picture of what it means to lengthen your reach towards God's purpose, towards the goal. To be a people that with full abandon, with, with, with reckless intensity, go, God, I'm reaching for your purpose for me. And so today with the remaining time we have, rather than telling you what your purpose is, I wanna focus on some realities that come with the choice to lengthen your reach towards God's purpose. Because I want us all to be aware of the commitment you'd be stepping into beforehand if you make this choice. And I wanna do that by looking at a guy that took a full 360 to follow God's purpose for his life. He went from opposing God's purpose to being one of the greatest advocates to build um, God's purpose. And he never looked back, his name was Paul. And there are probably several, a plethora of, of scriptures and stories I could use to try to highlight this. But today I want to look at a passage that means a lot to me, found in Acts chapter 20. But before we do, I want to give a little bit of context. So the first thing you need to know today is who was Paul? And I don't have a ton of time to go into it, but to sum it up really quickly, Paul was a very zealous religious leader um, that after Jesus returned to heaven began persecuting Christians. But in Acts 9, we see Jesus disrupt Paul's life. See what I did there? Disrupt. 
make that correlation? No, I thought you'd be more impressed. Anyway, and Paul goes from persecuting the church to building the church. And if you read the New Testament, it's going to be pretty like, likely that you're going to run into Paul somewhere, something he wrote or a story about him. He was a powerful man of God that God used to shape what we know and experience in Christianity today. He was a man that lived reaching for God's purpose despite the consequences, which we're going to read in a second. The second thing I want you to know is the context that surrounds the passage we're about to read. The book of Acts records Paul taking three different um, missionary journeys. And where we find Paul in this part of Acts is at the end of his third missionary journey. And in it, we'll see him focused on what God has called him to do in this latter season of his life, which is alluded to in Acts 19.21. It says, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem. He said, after I have been there, I must also visit Rome, okay? And this statement in Acts literally dictates the direction all the way through Acts 28 now. Paul, you see Paul make this, 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 um, this desire come to life, which brings us to Acts chapter 20 and 21, where we're going to read. Paul is on his way to Jerusalem, and this is what we're told. And I'm just gonna warn you right now, I went through and chopped out a bunch of different words and verses that were not pertinent to the information because you would have been dying of just all the information. So you might wanna follow along on the screen if you brought your Bible. Normally I say read it in your Bible, but just giving you a warning, okay? So Acts 20 verse 17 says, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived and lived the whole time I was with you. I served the Lord in the midst of severe testing. I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God. And here's what I want to look at closely today. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. I love how the NLT puts verse 24. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing God's task for me. Now I know that none of you, verse 25, among you um, who I've gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. This is a farewell address, okay? He's saying goodbye. Then Luke adds, the author, when Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship, and then we pick up in Acts 21. I want to read a few more verses. After we had torn ourselves away from them, we put out to sea. Give some travel details that aren't super important for us right now. It says, we landed at Tyre, where our ship was to unload its cargo. We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. Though the spirit, Through the Spirit, uh, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. That's interesting, right? Verse eight, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the evangelist, one of the seven. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt and he tied it around his own hands and his feet and said, the Holy Spirit says in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Does that make you kind of question your mission, Paul? When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. And after this, we started up on our way to Jerusalem. And I wish we could keep reading. I would challenge you to read it yourself. You will not be bored reading Acts 21 through 28, I guarantee you. But what I want us to see today is that all of this text and all the events that follow surround 
or revolve, rotate around one statement that Paul made. It's in verse 24. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that Jesus has given me, that Jesus created me for. This is his statement of purpose. This is the answer to the question, why do you exist for Paul? And today from this passage, I want to look at three things that Paul teaches us about lengthening our reach towards God's purpose. Number one is that reaching for God's purpose in your life will cost you. And I know this is not great salesmanship, right? Typically, you want to look at like the benefits and accentuate the positives before you're like, hey, man, like here's here's the negative, here's the drawbacks. But I can't rightfully speak on God's purpose in our lives without beginning with the recognition that it will not be without a cost. It's why Jesus said, whoever, whoever, not just the pastors, not just the missionaries, not just monks. He said, whoever wants to follow me and be my disciple must deny themselves. When was the last time you were like, God, I'm denying myself for you? They must take up their cross daily and follow me. It's not just Sunday, it's daily. Making room for God's purpose in your life will come at a cost, cost that you unfortunately cannot, if ever, predict or control and we hate that it's like when I go clean out my garage I start like separating what I'm keeping and what's going you don't get to do that with God it's here God is everything you choose what stays you choose what goes and that's what we see take place in Paul's life in this passage I want you to hear the lack of clarity Paul has with his purpose he says and now compelled by the spirit I am going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there I only know that there will be hardships facing me. See, Paul knew his purpose and the Holy Spirit let him know there would be a price to pay in order to lengthen his reach towards it. But Paul didn't know all the details. He couldn't on the front end go like, at this point, I'm gonna pull out because that's just too much God's asking me to do. He did not know. He just made the decision and said, I'm willing to pay whatever cost it is for me to lengthen my reach to, to reach God's purpose for me. And we see this decision come with Quite the journey afterwards. Again, I cannot express enough. Please go read Acts 21 through 28 this week. You will love it. But for the sake of trying to get you to grasp the ramification, or you may hate it because you're just gonna think of purpose the whole time. But for the sake of trying to get you to see what takes place, I try to just quickly sum up what, what happens after. And forgive me if this is not perfect on the references. I just speedily went through so you could see. So throw that next up there. So in Acts 21, we see Paul arrives in Jerusalem. He is seized and beaten. Then he's arrested. Then he stands before the Sanhedrin. There's a plot to kill him and he he narrowly escapes. Um, the plot's found out he has AIDS. It. Paul stands trial before Felix. Paul was in Caesarea waiting around for two years. Two years. Two years is a long time, okay? So his mission to go to Rome, he's just chilling, waiting, right? And I don't know if it's house arrest or what, but he's there under, under without his, like, desire. Like, they're forcing him to be there. There's another plot to kill Paul. Paul stands trial before Festus. He then appeals to Caesar so he can go to Rome. Then Paul stands before Agrippa. Finally, he sets sail for Rome, okay? And a storm comes and shipwrecks them, okay? And then they're on this island um, of Malta where Paul is bit by a snake. He shakes it off, and he has no ill effects, but the people all think he's like a god, I think, if I'm going to write the passage. Just read it. It's good, okay? After three months, um, they set sail again, and they finally arrive in Rome. Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him, and then he stayed there for two years preaching. So, like, this all was based off of the mission that he said, I I feel compelled to go. I don't think the Holy Spirit just downloaded to him everything that was going to take place after 
And, and we don't know exactly what happens to Paul after this, but we, I do know that this is trending towards the end of his life. Some say that Paul, after Acts 28, ended up going on a fourth missionary journey. There's not like really a lot of evidence, I don't think, to prove that. But the, at a later time, we assume that Paul came back to Rome and was beheaded by Nero. And I think that was like roughly 64 to 68 AD. And this was happening like the end of 50, like 58, 59 to 60 AD, if I remember right in my study. So it's trending close to the end of his life. This last, this last decision. And we know that um, from other stories and writings that Paul didn't just face this decision or face all this after his decision in Acts 20. He faced it throughout his life. And I want to read just a different passage just in a different context. But 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 says, are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day at open sea. That's bizarre. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger from the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I have also known hunger and thirst, and I have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my desire or of my decision to follow God's purpose. Daily pressure. And I want us to see that once Paul ran after his purpose, life did not become cost-free. I think there's a misrepresentation that once we choose to go after all that God has for us, it will be cost-free. But that is not true. Lengthening our reach towards God's purpose will require a price. Like infinite tucker with full abandon, diving through that finish line, it will come with a cost. And as we see Paul allude to, and I'm going to talk about later, that cost is worth paying, but you cannot on the forefront forget to look at it. Serena Williams said, everything comes at a cost, just what are you willing to pay for it? And some of us may not feel the most comfortable with this. I'm not the most comfortable preaching this right now, to be honest. I was reading over this morning, like, hopefully joy is in the, in the house of the Lord today. People, but at the end of the day, like, PK didn't launch a, a, a series called You Figured It All Out, Now Get Comfy. <laughs> right? He, he was like, for 2024, what's God got for us? Make room with every cost that it requires. And so as we talk about the word lengthen, I want you to be aware and decide, am I willing to pay the price? In Luke, Jesus turning the crowds um, with him began to talk about the cost of discipleship, and he said this in Luke 14. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? And I don't know if oftentimes enough we present the cost when we join up with Christianity. When we say, I'm giving my life to Jesus. We talk about him as our Savior, but we don't like give a caveat at the end, like whoever, raise your hand if you want to accept Jesus. We don't say like, hey, make sure you calculate the cost of this decision. But Jesus did. A different part, on a different message I'm working about, he actually says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but don't do what I say? So we have to calculate the cost. The second thing we need to be aware of as we lengthen our reach towards God's purposes, and this one's not going to be fun for some of these people pleasers like myself in the room, reaching for God's purpose in our life may not be understood by others. It may not be understood by others. Kind of like I don't understand how people still have their outdoor Christmas lights still on their house three to four days before February, okay? And that may be judgmental, and if that's you, I still love you, but I will not lie and say I understand you. Um, and you may not understand me, so we're just in the same boat together. But I was walking through my neighborhood this week, and people still have Christmas lights up, and it's causing me stress. 
for them. And uh, I don't understand. And the reality is, I'm really sorry if you have your Christmas lights up. I told Allie, I was like, I'm going to say, like, I'll take them down for him. And she's like, no, people will take you up on that. So I'm not taking them down for you. I just feel stressed for you. But the reality is, just like I don't understand these people who don't have their Christmas lights down yet, people, even those closest to you, you have to catch that, even those closest to you will not always understand as you reach for God's purposes. And we see that this is highlighted in our story. At two different times, we see Paul urged or pleaded with by those around him to not go to Jerusalem. Verse four says, through the spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And then Agabus, that guy comes up and does that whole prophecy. And then it says, we heard, when we heard this, we and the people pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. And as I was reading this passage and doing study, a weird contradiction appeared. And I wanna point it out to you today. If you notice in Acts 20, verse 22, it says, Paul, and now, Paul says, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. But then just a little bit later in 21.4, it says, through the Spirit, they urge Paul not to go. So in one verse, it feels like the, the Holy Spirit is the proponent of Paul going. In the other verse, it feels like the Holy Spirit is deterring Paul from going. So what are we to make of this? And I read a lot of different commentaries, um, hearing people's thoughts on this. But one, one conclusion that makes sense to me is this. I want to read two different notes in a commentary. Uh, I don't remember his first name, but I think it might be J.B. Polhill. I don't remember. But this guy said, the activity of the Spirit could be seen as contradictory here. On the one hand, on the one hand, Paul was driven onto Jerusalem. On the other hand, he was warned of the extreme risk in going there. These messages of the Spirit were not at odds. Paul indeed was being led to Jerusalem. God had a purpose for his going there. The warnings prepared him for what awaited him. So in other words, it wasn't a contradiction. It was two parts of the same message. Then Charles Swindle adds, and this is what I want you to pick up on. So how should we interpret the warning of the believers in Tyre? Like the, uh, like the many concerned voices before them, they accurately saw Paul's future as revealed by the Spirit, persecution and suffering in Jerusalem, but then they gave him advice based on their own desires. In other words, in the most loving way possible, they were selfish. It's not that their desire for, for, for Paul to be safe was wrong. It's just that it contradicted God's purpose for Paul. Because God's purpose for Paul was not to be comfortable and cozy and safe. And so Paul had to make a decision, and that's why we see him reply in verse 13, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am not ready to only be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And likewise, as we make room, if we choose to make room and lengthen our reach towards God's purpose, we may not be understood by others and possibly even cautioned and warned by them. But that's where we have to show them our resolve in what we know is our purpose. In Matthew 16, as Jesus began to tell his disciples that he was gonna die, um, Peter took, takes Jesus aside and rebukes him, says, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And similarly, as you lengthen your reach towards God's purposes, human comprehension will not necessarily understand what you're doing. And this can be hard. This can be part of the cost that you have to pay. This can be part of the decluttering process we talked about week one in this series. This can be, cause you to have to put some distance between certain relationships. This may take sitting down with your family or your spouse and going like, hey, like this year's gonna look different. We're gonna have to make some changes in our life, just practically speaking. But at the end of the day, it's a reality that comes with the choice to reach for God's purpose. 
And I realize these first two thoughts I share from this passage are heavy ones, so that's why the room's so quiet and you're all just staring at me like, do you hate us? But I'm just, I'm just letting you know. But I did leave the best one for last, in all sincerity. Reaching for God's purpose in your life is worth giving your life to. And you're gonna have to come to that conclusion on your own. I'm gonna be dead honest. Tuesday, I like was questioning my purpose a whole lot. And I had to redig down and refine in my own life the worth that I considered my purpose. It may come at a cost, it may come with difficulty, it may come with change, it may come with pain, but it will also be worth it. Why? Because you were doing what you were made for with the creator that created you. And I love later in this text, I can't flip to it off the top of my head, it might be in chapter 21, but Paul, he, I think it's after he's in prison, I didn't have this in my notes, I was thinking about adding it and I didn't, but uh, Holy Spirit's telling me to share it now. He's, he's in prison or something and God comes, he's like, hey Paul, don't be afraid, you are gonna speak in Rome. So it was almost like, even though he's facing this hardship, God just dropped this little nugget of like, you keep going, you keep going, because you're on the track, like I'm here with you. And that's the worth, like we, that's worth following God's purpose for. I know this is cheesy, but if the heater in my garage was alive, had feelings, and could talk, do you think that it would be happy just sitting there? Do you think it would be happier getting utilized and uh, utilized consistently like, it, consistently like it was made for? Yeah, it would require exertion on its part, but the effort is always worth the reward of fulfilling what you were made for. And this is why I believe, Paul, in the face of not knowing what would happen, declared in Acts 20, 24, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that Jesus has given me. In other words, doing what God had purposed Paul to do was the most worthy thing Paul could give his life to. It was more worthy than a job. It was more worthy than comfort. It was more worthy than Paul's ideas and dreams. One person beautifully wrote in regards to this passage, I couldn't have asked for a better statement. Paul assessed the relative value of his life in terms of physical self-preservation versus an investment in pursuing God's transcendent purposes for him. And with determination, he chose the latter. He chose God's purpose. And I believe Paul met his declaration. I believe that Paul believed pursuing God's purpose was the most worthy thing he'd give his life to. Every hardship, every difficulty. And today, I believe it's worth you seeking in 2024, God's purpose for your life. But it may come with some costs that you are not prepared for. I, 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 I'm not saying anything over anyone. It may come with a new career. It may come with, with, with downgrading and decisions. I have no idea. I'm not God. But if you're serious about this, it will be worth it. But I can't promise you that it won't be without cost. I think a good sign that you're on, on, on course for your purpose is that hardship is present. And in closing today, in Acts 9, we see God declare over Paul, this man is my chosen instrument. This is after the Damascus Road experience. Before Paul even starts his ministry, he says, this man is my chosen instrument. And you may not be Paul, but you were created by the same person that made Paul. And that person gave you your purpose. You are God's chosen instrument too. The question is, are you going to, going to seek it out in 2024? And that's what I invite all of us to today. And as I close, I'm gonna pray um, myself, but I also wanna read a prayer by A.W. Tozer that I think encapsulates the heartbeat that we should all be walking away with today if this is our choice to follow God's purpose. It says this, O God, be thou exalted 
over my possessions. Nothing of earth's treasure shall seem dear unto me if only you are glorified in my life. Be thou exalted over my friendships. I am determined that you shall be above all, that I must stand deserted and alone, that though I must stand deserted and alone in the midst of the earth. Be thou exalted over my comforts, though it mean the loss of bodily comforts and the carrying of heavy crosses, I shall keep my vow made this day before thee. Be thou exalted over my reputation. May my ambitious, my may make me ambitious to please thee, even if as a result I must sink into obscurity and my name be forgotten as a dream. Rise, O Lord, into your proper place of honor above my ambitions, above my likes and dislikes, above my family, my health, and even my life itself. Let me sink that you rise above. And today I just wanna challenge you. I was reading this week, I'm prepping for a different message, so it's coming in, my Holy Spirit's bringing it to my mind. But I was reading this one article that basically we go, hey, like, do you wanna make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life? And uh, this person was talking about, this is a, I think it was a pastor or a doctor at a seminary or something, I don't remember. He was writing this article and he was basically saying that when he accepted Jesus into his life, he accepted him as, a, as Savior, but it took him years later before he decided to make Jesus Lord. And today, that's what you're making room for, that Jesus would not just be the Savior of your sins, but he would be the Lord of your life that he would have complete ownership of you, your purpose, your direction. And so as we pray today, if that's where you're at and you're like, God, I wanna see, I wanna live more of my purpose. Yesterday I was walking and I prayed like, God, like I'm so tired of trying to accomplish my purposes for stuff. Like, can you just like, let me be obedient enough to follow your purpose. If that's you, then pray that in your heart as I pray today. So God, we just come before you. God, and we thank you creator for creating us. God, we thank you for putting us in this time period. God, at whatever age, whatever season we're at, God, today we want your purposes. God, we know your purposes last beyond this lifetime into eternity. God, and our purposes of, 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 of parenthood or job or gifts or dreams or um, passions, God, whatever it is, God, of being um, a spouse, God, of, 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 of doing certain things, God, in our life, God, all those things, God, are just purposes. Yeah, maybe you've spoken to us, God, but they all fall in comparison, God, to the life that extends way beyond our, our, our average life human span or life lifespan. God, so today we just come. And God, I'm sure there's many here that want to follow your purpose, God, much like I do. And I just pray that we would be obedient despite the cost. We would be bold despite what others think. God, and we would always remember, even in the hardest moments, God, that it's worth giving our life to. God, that we would, like Infinite Tucker, be unafraid to just leap, God, to what you have for us. And we just thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, everyone said. Amen. Well, thanks for being here today, church. Um, it's, it's a pleasure you're here. Don't forget, um, I'm going to invite the prayer team up, but don't forget if you're new with us and you have a connection card, take it out to the, the welcome booth in the lobby. We'd love to give you a gift, and we will see you in the weeks to come. Download the Church Center app if you don't have it, and, and, and stay tuned for what's going on in the life of this community. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.